Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, tennis fans, and welcome to episode 28 of The Passing Shot. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello and welcome to The Passing Shots, your tennis catch-up podcast. I'm Kim, the self-confessed queen of clay, and once again I'm joined by my fellow co-host and tennis fan, Joel, aka The Wandering Wildcard. So today we'll be taking a look back at Indian Wells and everything that happened at the first of the Sunshine Double, the fifth slam and the first Masters event of the year and uh, rounding up the action from the men's and women's draws. How are you today, Joel? I'm very good, thank you. It's been uh, great, great watching the tennis in, in California. I wish I wish I was there. There were so many, so many good matches, so many big talking points. And we had two, I think, really captivating tournaments. And at the end of it, we've got some names that we are going to be keeping an eye on definitely for the rest of the season, haven't we? Yeah, I think unsurprisingly, our predictions perhaps weren't the greatest. But you know what? The the winners, which we're going to, you know, talk about very soon, they perhaps were somewhat surprising. But I think overall, the tournaments are really uh, engaging and interesting. And I was uh, so much to talk about today. So much. Um, (laughs) Don't really know where to start. Let's start on the women's side, because I think we've almost had a moment you know, probably similar to kind of last year with, you know, Osaka winning the tournament last year, you know, arguably announced herself on the tour. And we've almost had like a parallel situation this time, but with a Canadian with Bianca Andreescu. Yes. So she is only 18 years old and she came into this tournament ranked 60 in the world and she went and, and won the whole thing as a wild, as a wild card. card, which is as you do. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when I saw that she was a wild card, I thought, you know, what what are the best results a wild card has ever produced? And I could only I feel like this is like literally on the level, you know, maybe just a little bit lower down. Feels like Gorani Ivanisevic levels yeah, of I was just about to say overachievement Gora. as a wild card. Yeah. She, I mean, she's the first wild card ever to get to the final of Indian Wells. But yeah, not just Indian Wells, you know, in terms of what wild cards have done. They don't really tend to have an awful lot of success. I, th- I think Kim Clijsters won, uh, was it the US Open when she came back from like a, f- a few years out? Yeah. But she's kind of the only other notable name that I can think of that, you know, sort of won anything major as a wild card. But interestingly, at the start of the year, Andreescu was outside the top 150. In fact, she finished last year as 178 in the world. And now since winning, you know, a premier mandatory tournament, as you do, she's going to be 24 in the world, which is amazing. She's she's had more match wins now this season than any other WTA player. 
And I mean, I know she, I'd never even heard of her until she got to the Auckland final at the start of the year, kind of, you know, made a name for herself. Uh, but I certainly didn't expect her to break through at this level so soon. I don't, I don't know about you. Did you think it would be quite this quick? Uh, no, I, it's been, yeah, as you said, it's been a very steep, very like meteoric rise. I remember, you know, we when we did almost like the first episode of this season, we looked at the Auckland final. Andreescu, I think she came through qualifying, uh, announced herself by beating Wozniacki and I think Venus Williams as well in the main draw. But yeah, I was not expecting her at the end of at the end of Indian Wells to call her the the Indian Wells champion. I guess you know one thing I guess we we could say is that you know in our in our preview episode of this event we did kind of say that it's quite hard to predict the Indian Wells champion. There's been a, a lot of kind of surprising names. You you only have to think back to last year with you know Osaka winning it as as unseeded. So I guess there is some sort of trend there, but. It's it's great for Canadian tennis. It's great for women's tennis, and you know it seems that you know she's on a, a good run of form at the moment, and it's a, almost like a question of how far she can she can go up. She's it doesn't look like she's going to be stopping at, at twenty four in the world, is she? Well, no, and also it would be quite funny if her achievements mirrored Osaka's. I mean, she could win you know two slams and be world number one this time next year. Like it is totally within the realms of possibility. You know, I just, and she had to beat some pretty nifty players in this tournament, you know, Kerber, Svitolina, Muguruza. Um, and I think before the tournament, we were kind of talking about Andreescu as a bit of a danger in that segment of the draw in the sense of, oh, she might upset, you know, a top 10 player. But I don't think either of us really thought she'd go all the way. But, yeah. you know, she's certainly got, got the talent, you know, she plays such a sort of um, diverse game and, you know, she's got, She's got great serve, like she's got all the weapons really that you kind of need. And so it's just, it's yeah, it's a pleasure to watch her on the court. And, you know, Canadian tennis, I think they finally found someone that is going to be a slam winner. Dare I say it? Yeah. <laughs> Are we getting too ahead of ourselves? <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, she, um, yeah, she's got a very good game. I think I heard a commentator describe it as you're never going to see kind of two shots the same consecutively. She's got all the different shots in a locker slice top spin she you know in the final she was hitting like moon balls but then you know very attacking and very aggressive at the same time um it kind of reminded me a bit of you know the way that Andy Murray plays in terms of that diverse stroke play that he's that he's got in his locker Andreescu's kind of think got a similar similar sort of game on the uh, on the women's circuit and you know she came up against someone like Kerber and she really had to think on court you know, set by set, how, you know, she was going to play such a, you know, a well-experienced opponent. And I think kind of that third set that showed us a lot about Andreescu and how kind of committed and how driven she was, because I think, you know, towards that, that end, the end of that set, and actually in her semi-final as well, I think she had a bit of, a bit of cramping, you know, she, she actually said to her coach, I think she wanted this match really badly. And yeah, she, it kind of showed, uh, and she didn't kind of let, any kind of the situations kind of overcome her you know I thought you know when Kerber saved three championship points uh to break back I thought oh here we go but you know she managed to kind of you know ride that situation and yeah come out as as champion yeah she showed really good composure which you know is essential if you're gonna make it in the game so yeah she's the youngest Indian Wells champion since Serena 
who won it at seventeen years old in nineteen ninety nine. I can't even imagine um, doing such <laughs> things at such young ages. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic, and I'm really excited to see what she goes on to do. I mean, just let you know, Miami is just around the corner, starting this week. Could she do the Imagine double? Imagine if she did the double. <laughs> that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, I don't know how many players have actually done the double, to be honest. But actually, let's talk about some of the other players in the women's draw. Uh, we could probably go on about Andreescu all, all day, but <laughs> <laughs> Naomi Osaka, you know, we've just mentioned her, how she won this tournament last year. And that was like her first kind of appearance, um, really, in the heights of the game. Uh, she didn't have the greatest of tournaments. She she avenged her defeat to Mladenovic uh, that she'd suffered in Dubai. But then she kind of fell pretty easily to Belinda Bencic in the quarterfinals. I don't know what, what you made of that. Do you think she's just kind of getting to grips with her new coach and, and feeling her way into it. I just I just thought she might have put up a bit more of a fight against Bencic. Yeah, I think I was I was surprised by the scoreline more than anything. You know, Bencic who was going into Indian Wells with a lot of form behind her. You know, I think she had eleven straight wins, five of those over top ten players. So, you know, she was going in with form and I knew it was kind of going to be a difficult match. But I was, yeah, when I saw the score line I was kind of a bit surprised at, at how easy it was and it kind of, I think, kind of is showing that, you know, Osaka, yes, she has reached world number one, but how long is she going to be able to maintain it? I think she's been a bit, you could say that she's been a bit lucky in terms of some of the other players, you know, for example, Hallett, um, they could have actually taken over as world number one after after Indian Wells. But uh, fortunately for Osaka, uh, they also fell early on in the tournament. Yeah, I, my prediction, Simona Hallett <laughs> to win. She, she lost a... Uh, von Drausova. So, yeah, uh, classic. <laughs> but yeah, I think Hallett, Pliskova, Stevens, they were all up to potentially be number one. And yeah, I mean, Sleep. Stevens S- lost Slevens. to Vogel. Sloane, Steve. Yeah, I know. She lost like in the first round. So that was a bit of a disastrous tournament for Sloane. I was actually expecting Bencic to beat Kerber in the semis, you know, because Bencic has, has been on such a roll. But Bencic herself, actually, she's she's back in the top 20 now, which is well-deserved after her recent run of form. And then let's talk a bit about the Williams sisters. So we were really um, anticipating Serena Williams's segment of the draw. Mm. And she had a great first round against uh, Azarenka. It was the first time they'd actually played in a, about three years in the final um, of this tournament. But... Um, Serena came through in, in two close sets, but then, disappointingly, she had to retire. Yeah, against she, Muguruza. Yeah, she. Um, I think they cited it as a viral illness, and yeah. she wasn't actually the only player to um, to withdraw from Indian Wells as of a viral illness. I think Sasha Zverev, as well on the men's side, yeah. had something similar. So I don't know if there was a you know a bug going round or, um, but it certainly was kind of affecting a few of the top players so obviously as a, as a Muguruza fan myself I was kind of I was kind of happy you were like fine <laughs> infect all her opponents yeah. come on but, <laughs> what a shame but I was I thinking it was funny because I was thinking oh here we go it's actually opened up for Muguruza for once coming up against Andreescu I think she's got a, she's got a good site here to go deep in the tournament 
loses love and one to Andre. Yeah. Andre I know. Blow, blown off yeah. the court. I mean, it like, was quite completely. polite earlier when you said uh, uh, Andreas, you upset a couple of players, but yeah. she absolutely wiped the floor yeah. with with Muguruza, yeah. which um, which was very uh, to me it was obviously very very surprising. Having said that, I actually thought Muguruza, you know, she secured back to back wins against top ten opposition for the first time since since Cincinnati in 2017. I actually think she had a a good tournament um, given her kind of recent recent form. Yeah, she sort of announced herself, you know, as a somewhat of a contender, I think, again, uh, because I think I'd just kind of forgotten about her really a bit. You know, same with Kerber, actually. She's sort of getting to the final. She's, you know, played herself into a bit more form. So, I mean, you know, I said, we're saying how excited we were for Indian Wells, but I'm even more excited now for <laughs> Miami because... I don't know. It's just, it's all happening, isn't it? It's just, you just don't know what's going to go on. Um, Venus, uh, Venus had a great tournament as well. So she, um, epic match. She beat Kvitova. Epic, yeah. Epic amazing, match. amazing, uh, first match against Petra Kvitova. Did you, and, did you uh, see, um, when she won that match, the scream that she gave out yeah. at the end, it was like, there is definitely still fire left in the belly yes regardless of how long she's been playing tennis she still really really wants it and that was an absolutely fantastic match yeah and I think she's just doing it on her terms as well and it's just like she should just go on there do her thing do it for herself and you know just whatever happens happens and it's I I like watching Venus play and I you know she's one of the players that I really I really admire and I'd love to see her do well so um, yeah, she got to the quarters, lost to Kerber, but I think, you know, um, a good tournament all round for, for Venus. So she, uh, yeah, we'll see what she goes on to do in Miami. I think that brings us kind of to our to the end of our female catch-up, if you like. Shall we go on to talk about the men? Because also quite a lot to discuss in the ATP side of events. Yeah, definitely. Again, we... So another <laughs> surprise winner, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dominic team. Uh, winning, winning Indian Wells against Roger Federer. Now, Dominic Team for me is one of those players, arguably second best clay court player behind Rafael Nadal. So instantly, I'm thinking his first Masters title is going to be Monte Carlo. It's going to be Rome. No, it's it's a yeah. hard court event. It's Indian yeah. Wells, but he played. Yeah, he played some absolutely fantastic tennis throughout the week, and you know, I think that. You know, we had Federer, we had Djokovic, we had Nadal all in the draw and we were kind of thinking, you know, is it going to be Federer? Is it going to be Djokovic? Who's going to win it? But um, yeah, again, a name, a name that perhaps, you know, at the start of the week, not many were predicting. Yes, Dominic Team is a very consistent player. We might see him get to the, the quarterfinals or, or, or the semifinals, but here he makes the final and, and comes up with, a, you know, a fantastic, fantastic game against Federer and, and wins it in three sets. Yeah, I mean, team had, I don't know, in my view, I'd sort of been a bit lacklustre when I, you know, thought of him as a contender. But yeah, just he just surprised us all. A very solid tournament. And yeah, clinched at 7-5 in the third set in the final. Federer, shockingly, um, only converted two of 11 break points. And he made, well, more unforced errors and just had a bit of a, a bit of an error-strown uh, end to the match really so a bit, bit unfederal like um and I was totally expecting him to win in sort of two comfortable sets to be quite honest with you to get title 101 but not to be and Dominic team has won his first Masters event title 
and he's going to go up to fourth in the world. So, yeah, and obviously also with the, surprised me as well. Yeah, and with obviously the clay court season just around the corner after after Miami, yeah. he should yeah. be going in in there with you know some decent form behind him. Very interestingly, I, I didn't I didn't realize this actually, but uh, he's actually he actually brought on Chilean Nicholas Masu as his coach to help him on the hard courts. Now Nicholas Masu won two Olympic gold medals on hard courts, so he ha- he knows a thing or two about playing on on a hard court. So you know that kind of coaching partnership obviously paying dividends er- early on. Be interesting to see if he keeps him on for the the clay season as well. I mean, it feels like no doubt that that he's going to, given you know Masu is a South American, and I'm sure he he loves the clay court as well, and will be able to kind of give his um, give his thoughts and and help and help team in in that uh, in that area as well. Yeah, because Nicholas Masu, I was just thinking, oh, he's Chilean clay court specialist. Yet, yeah, like lo and behold, Dominic Team's just got on one a hard court Masters. But but then yeah, you said obviously he is was an Olympic or is an Olympic champion. So he yeah. won the singles, didn't he? In I think Sydney? he won the singles and the and then doubles the doubles with, with Fernando Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. That was so long ago. But yeah, well, it's um, obviously been a beneficial partnership so far. So um, good one for Dominic team. Um, and we look to see, yeah, I think he's looking, you know, if he can build on that going into the clay court season, then um, then we'll see what he can do. Maybe he can, you know, progress the up French the rankings Open, even maybe. more. I don't, I mean, I've said it, Kim, well, maybe yeah, the I, French Open. I know you won't, won't want to hear that, but. As a Nadal fan, but uh... well, he was your prediction, I think, isn't he? Well, when we made our start of the year predictions, yeah, I think actually, you actually did put yeah, the team. Right. Well, you know, yeah. you know, my predictions are very oh. solid, so uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't want you team. gloating <laughs> over your predictions to me either. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, we were also denied a, a rematch of Fedal number thirty nine in Indian Wells because Rafa had to retire. Uh, well, he had to withdraw from the semi-final against Federer, so we were denied that match. And actually, maybe that made Federer a bit rusty, you know, because he didn't have a semi to play. So going into the final, maybe he wasn't quite, you know, he hadn't had his warm-up against Rafa. Um, so that was a bit of a shame that yeah. uh, Rafa wasn't able to to make it. I mean, his knee playing up again, uh, which you know has plagued him for. Is he going to be? While, is he going to be in Miami? Do you think? I don't think so. I feel like he's not playing Miami. He's just going to try he's and have chill. recuperate for the clay. Because I mean, personally, as a Rafa fan, I'd rather he just saved himself for the clay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to see him win Monte Carlo and uh, and Roland Garros. They're like the two ultimate tournaments for Rafa. So um, yeah, but yeah, they they decided to put a uh, exhibition on the court instead. With uh, Tommy Haas and Sampras and McEnroe and yeah. oh Novak as well, Djokovic, so yeah. they you know the fans weren't too disappointed. Uh, but actually, it raised an interesting question. A lot of people on Twitter and the world of social media were saying, you know, you know, withdrawal in a big semi-final. You know, should there not be like a lucky loser system whereby? Karen Kachanov, who Rafa had beaten the quarterfinal, could have, you know, appeared on court and played against Federer. But I mean, what what are your thoughts on Joel? Would that not just be way too hard to orchestrate and administer? Yeah, I, I think it's a shame because I'm sure a lot of people would have paid big money to 
you know, when they saw Federer and Nadal in, in the semi-finals, I'm sure, you know, that would have been an instant sellout for the organisers. You know, everyone's kind of really pumped and really looking forward to it. And then, you know, for it not to happen and, and for it to not happen at, at kind of, you know, on the day, uh, you know, potentially, I don't, I don't know how far, you know, far before it was, but, you know, at short notice, it's kind of like, you know, what can you, scra- it's like, what can you scramble together? And yeah, I think there is a question there on, could you, is there a way that you can kind of bring a, a competitive, a competitive matchup? Could you reinstate a loser? But, you know, I don't know. It's a bit, it feels to me a bit extreme, they, doesn't it? Like if you've lost, they you're do it in qualities though. Yeah, but they do it in qualies. If you lose in qualies and, you know, and then someone pulls out of the main draw, you then get into the main draw. But I guess they just do that because they assume that person would never go on to win the tournament. Whereas if you're at a semi-final stage, you know, that person could have lost in the quarters and they go on and actually win the tournament, which, you know, wouldn't be fair because they, they did lose a match. So, and I think also if you had to so- suddenly start policing it and saying, yeah, you know, you need to withdraw from your match by, I don't know, 8am the morning of your match. So the person you beat yesterday can hang around and then wait and see. I just think that would be, you'd get players actually trying to go on and turn up, wouldn't you, onto the court and then maybe retiring after like two games. Mm. So yeah. I just think, yeah, that suggestion's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think though something that, I think it could be a question that could be raised, but I don't see an obvious I don't see an obvious answer to it. No, it's too complex. It's, and it's, I think yeah. probably the best solution is, yeah, just to put some kind of legends. I mean, it's a, match I mean <laughs> as a makeshift like doubles match, Djokovic and John McEnroe versus Pete yeah. Sampras and Tommy Haas. That's pretty, I mean, that would be pretty fun. Yeah, it's certainly, um, you know, high caliber exhibition stuff, isn't it? So I don't think, um, you know, there are worse people I could watch on a <laughs> tennis court in place of uh, Roger and Rafa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interestingly, Federer has reached another little milestone. He is the first player to have reached 150 semifinals in outdoor tournaments. So a little stat that I grabbed off the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he'll be reaching many more semifinals um, in outdoor tournaments. I wonder how many he's reached indoors. Mm, He's always yeah. so good on indoors mm. as well. Um, talking of other top players, though, Novak Djokovic, what did you make of his tournament? Well, very, very interesting because he, he did a lot better in the doubles than he did in the singles. I remember, Kim, we were all kind of salivating at the prospect of a Djokovic versus Kyrgios potential third round match. And we kind of brushed aside, we kind of brushed aside Cole Schreiber, you know, 35 year old veteran, easy kind of kind of uh, concede to, to Kyrgios. Uh, no, Cole Schreiber goes and, and first of all beats uh, Kyrgios and then, yeah, beats Djokovic four and four in straight sets. So, uh, yeah, not uh, in the singles, not a great, not a great outing for Novak. But, um, yeah, maybe he was just keeping it in his locker for uh, for the doubles. Yeah, he was having too much fun with Fabio Fognini <laughs> on the doubles court. <laughs> he thought, I can't be bothered to play singles. It's too much effort. Let's just go and play doubles. Yeah, he got to the semis of the doubles. And yeah, I was totally shocked, actually, when Cole Schreiber beat him. But, you know, Djokovic hasn't played since AO, so yeah. maybe he was a bit rusty. And, I mean, I'm sure Cole, in Miami he won't suffer the same. Cole Schreiber is a decent, pla- is a decent player. Like, he knows hmm. he's been around enough and he's experienced enough to know, 
you know how to you know how to win a match and yeah i just think um he just caught uh, Djokovic on an off day and was able was able to make him pay yeah Kolstrup has had um i think i remember he had that really great match at the uh australian open against andy roddick years ago and he's always done pretty well in like haller and uh you know some other tournaments so yeah he's one of those players that on his day can basically beat you know anyone you know especially at a masters so best of three set match so um yeah good for Colshry but he was uh after that match though then thrashed by Gail Monfils so couldn't quite keep it going but then yeah. Monfils, Monfils again another in... player that's actually been on a really good run of form he he's he has won 15 of 18 matches uh until he he lost um just trying to think who did he then lose to was it uh, Federer? He no, he, no, it was Team or Ryanich. I think it was Ryanich that Monfils lost. Yeah, I think it, it was Ryanich. In the end, but um, yeah, yeah, but a good. But he's had a really good start to the year. Yeah, I mean, last four tournaments: semi-final in Sofia, he won Rotterdam, semi-final in Dubai, and now quarterfinals in Indian Wells. He's kind of he's come back from injury. You know, now he's got Elena's fitted. Sitoilina in in his corner. <laughs> Good correction of your <laughs> pronunciation there. <laughs> it seems to have, you know, it seems to have done wonders. He's got a new coach this season, I believe, and um, yeah, returned to the, the the top twenty of the ATP rankings. So yeah, love is the greatest coach of all, <laughs> as uh, at Passing Shot Pod on Twitter quoted earlier <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, and then I mentioned just a second ago Hubert Herkaj. Literally, I, I don't think I'd ever really heard of, of, of this new kind of kid on the block. Um, he got to the, the quarterfinals and en route, he beat Shapovalov, uh, which I actually, I think I'm saying his name yeah. wrong. Sh- Shapovalov. That's m- money Shapovalov. goes straight into the I, oh pronunciation gosh, yeah. jar, jar. Anyone who's <laughs> listened to our pronunciation episode uh, will know that we both pledged to donate to like a swear jar if we said certain players' names wrong. So right, I need to put my my fifty pence in the jar. <laughs> Shapovalov. So Hubert Herkaj, assuming that's correct, um, he beat Denis Shapovalov, Kane Shikori, Lucas Puy to get to the quarters. So pretty decent players, and uh, he's now gone up to sixty seven in the rankings, and he was down at two hundred and twelve not so long ago. Can I can I so, just say though, Shapovalov, did you see that rap he did on court uh, oh, after? Yes. <laughs> I can't remember who he beat, but anyway, that rap afterwards was awful. One of the most cringeworthy things I've seen on a tennis court. It was so bad, so bad. He needs to stick to just playing. Exactly, tennis. <laughs> exactly. This um, is why I don't think there's that many musical tennis players, but you know, yeah. we'll see. Um, but we also had another interesting quarterfinalist, Miomir Kekmanovic, who, again, a player that I wasn't particularly familiar with. And was he, was he the lucky loser? He was the lucky loser, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. the lucky loser, wasn't he? First lucky loser to get to the quarterfinals of this tournament i know very uh, um since like michael chang in 91 or some ridiculous statistic that's like the year i was born <laughs> so yeah and he yeah he was the, 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 the he's he's serbian and obviously everyone eyes on on djokovic thinking how far is djokovic going to get to in engine wells he's possibly going to win it but yeah kekmanovic 
<laughs> last last mm, Serbian standing. Yeah, yeah. Or it could have been Laszlo Jair, who see had had a fairly good run of form in the um, the golden clay swing. Mm. But no, Kekmanovic. Yeah, their their Davis Cup team is going to be a bit more solid, isn't it? With uh, these Serbians yeah. on the rise. Yeah. So uh, we had him, and then Nick Kyrgios. We mentioned uh, just a moment ago. Um, as we said, we know we'd been looking forward to see what he was going to do because he'd just won Acapulco. And we were thinking, oh, yeah, could be Djokovic in the third round. But no, he he sort of, I don't know, went back to his old ways, lost to Cole Schreiber and off he went uh, again, lacking consistency. Yeah. He'll win Miami able... next week, won't he? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's still inconsistent there. He'll just be like, win, first round loss, yeah. win, first round <laughs> loss. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see the ever entertaining Nick Kyrgios, what he does. And then um, again, the, two of our other kind of young guns on the rise, uh, Sitsipas, you know, he just made it into the top, top 10. 10. He had, uh, you know, just been in the Dubai final, I believe, and, you know, had won a tournament just before that. And again, you know, he he had a pretty... Comprehensive Mediocre. defeat yeah. to uh, Ogier Aliasim. So he is going to again be is, is 17, 17 years old, youngest person to win a match at a Masters 1000 tournament since mm. they came in uh, in 1990. He is going to be absolutely box office. We've spoken about Andreescu. I feel like Ogier Aliasim is almost like the the male equivalent, and they could both dominate the sport, couldn't they? Technically, in the next. Like in two years' time, they could both be like number one or what, what have you. And Canada would be like, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he beat Sissy Pass, who who is in the top ten, and he added himself. He added himself to a list of quite, uh, you know, quite notable players of uh, players who've not turned nineteen and had a win against the top ten. And we've got in that list Michael Chang, Fabri Centoro. Leighton Hewitt, Andy Roddick, Rafael Nadal, Gasquet, Djokovic, Tomic, Shapovalov, Shapovalov and now Auger <laughs> Aliassime. So, yeah. uh, not yeah. a bad list of names. Very, very, uh, very good. Very interesting to see what he does in the future. And I can't wait for that inevitable matchup when he comes up against Shapovalov as well, because I think there's a, a real. A real interest there. Who's who's going to be the Canadian number one? Oh, Raonic is playing as well. Got to the semi-finals. So oh gosh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned Raonic. Who was your dark horse yeah. pick for the tournament? And he, yeah, he got to the semis. So Canadian, so, yeah, Canadian again, tennis in rude health at the moment on both very sides. Very rude health. Yes. Um, talking of, I don't know, countries and their <laughs> tennis players. Uh, Indian tennis players. Um, I always think of like I don't know, Sanya Mirza, Leander Pays. You know, really great doubles players but we had a lesser known Pranesh Gunaswaran uh, getting into the third round of Indian Wells with a win over Nikolos Bashalashvili top 20 player so I mean I've not really heard of Pranesh Gunaswaran I think we should add that to our uh, list of player names we need to work on (laughs) yeah (laughs) but he's um he almost quit tennis and now he uh, he's had a pretty good run of form, mm. hasn't he? He's risen into the top 100 yeah. of late. Yeah, Ex- excellent for, for India. It's I feel like, yeah, it's funny how India have produced players who 
had done well on in the doubles tour, but not really in in, in the men's anyway. Had a, a a breakout player in the in the singles game on the men's side, and perhaps Gunaswaran is is gonna is gonna fill that void. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, he, he can, he's, uh, he's won he two challenges. Uh, yeah. recently, you know, he's uh, into the top hundred. So you know, getting into the slams now. So we'll see what 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 he's gonna do. Um, but yeah, let's 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 call our our roundup <laughs> of the ATP side of Indian Wells to a close, and let's just have a little focus now on Brits on tour. So this is our little section where we just discuss the trials and tribulations of British players all around the world. Not the most encouraging of of weeks in terms of results, I would say. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say. Well, I mean, um, Edmund showed really good form, I thought. I mean, he obviously came up against finalists in Federer and lost. Um, but I thought he he actually showed he showed really good form for someone who's just come back from in- injury. Obviously, he won the uh the Indian Wells the Challenger, Challenger event the yeah. preceding week. But um I think, you know, I think he he's shown that, that he's he's kind of back to you know, back to where you know, back to a level. He's getting back to a level that you know he was showing last season. Yeah, I mean, losing to Federer in straight sets is no, you know, poor poor show really. Getting you know he got to the fourth round, so yeah, on his way back up. Um, and actually, Dan Evans, you know, he qualified for the main draw and then lost to Sam Wawrinka mm. in three took a you set know, as fairly well. tight set as well. sets. Yeah, so that was that was quite encouraging. So yeah, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, <laughs> um, but other players, Cam Norrie, he he lost. Well, he lost to Oje Aliassime. So again, he's he's lost to a you know really informed player in the first round. So you know not too horrendous. And Joe Conta actually, she she got to the third round, lost to Kiki Burton. Very tight, but match again that. she was yeah she was showing a bit more of the old Joe Conta that we kind of know and love. So yeah, I think. There is potential, you know, I think hopefully in the next couple of weeks, next few tournaments, they can really build on those kind of showings. Yeah. And, I th- um, yeah. I mean, in terms of the doubles, normally we're, we're reporting much better results. Um, maybe this is where my pessimism's coming in. Joe Salisbury lost in the first round. Carl Edmund and Neil Skupski lost in the first round. Jamie Murray lost in the first round. <laughs> um, it was only Dom Inglot that got to the quarters of the Indian Wells doubles, beating the Bryans en route. So, you know, yeah. not the best doubles and, week for uh, our and, many doubles players. And curiously, didn't didn't Jamie Murray then go and play a challenger with a completely different partner? I think he did, yeah. But I guess he, you know, he had, might as had well. Some tight, you know, had some free time. <laughs> He's got time so in his hands. Decided yeah. to, uh, yeah, to kind of get some, some match play in. But um, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, I guess uh, yeah, quite uh, nothing really of note from the the singles and and the doubles no. in terms of the the Brits on tour. But as I said, I think you know certainly with Kyle Edmund and Dan Evans, I think they're probably our two most informed players at the moment. And I think that we'll kind of see them uh, in the you know on the tour, perhaps not at kind of Masters level, but at the five hundreds and two fifties. You know, I think they can. I think they can really kind of pull some pull some upsets and you know who knows with Edmund there might be you know might be an, another title in in the offing in in the clay court season because we know he loves to to play on the clay court mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on from Brits on tour and move on to my section of the podcast called Scoreboard Stories. Kim, big. What do you have for me this week, Joel? <laughs> I'm intrigued. I had an absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic statistic for you from the Stan Vavrinka Marton Fuskovitz Fuskovitz match. I know that's probably going in the name chart, but. Uh, Wawrinka came out of the Indian Wells men's second round match. Uh, Victor, 6-4, 6-7, 7-5. Long three-set match, which can only mean one thing. Lots and lots of break points. How many break points do you think there were in the match, Kim? Oh, gosh. Um, well, oh, 15. I don't know. 12. <laughs> Oh, hang on. He wasn't playing John, John Isner. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were 48 break points uh, across, the th- across the three sets. Uh, Vavrinka converting only six of 23. <laughs> and and Fuskovitz only capitalising on four of 25. And That's mad. Yeah, absolutely um, crazy statistic. And I think that was the second most on the ATP circuit since uh, 2000 and... Oh, I saw it earlier. I think it's since 2007 uh, and a match between Guillermo Garcia Lopez and Petito Starachi. Uh, oh, wow. I and wonder they, what happened to both They of them. managed to conjure up over 50 break points between them, but it was great to see... Uh, yeah, it was great to see so many break points going, uh, going wanting uh, on the tour. Uh, we'll put up that statistic on our instagram page at passing shot pod if you want to have a look at that scoreboard in all its glory stan vavrinka martin Voskovitz, great tennis players just not very good on break points also i always thought it was martin Voskovitz, but it's marton <laughs> apparently so there we go i've learned something else <laughs> new <laughs> but yeah thanks for the scoreboard stat uh, let's go on to the wildcard section where we just discuss any other random bits of news that's happened in the tennis world of late. Um, I think a key thing that everyone's been talking about is the fact that Chris Commode, mm. uh, by the end of this year, will no longer be the um, CEO of the ATP. So in a uh, board meeting that happened, well, now about a week and a bit ago, uh, none of the player reps voted in his favour, so he did not get the required votes to extend his uh, sort of lead at the top of the game, and uh, he will be ousted. And there's been a lot of outcry mm. about that because I don't know. It's I think you're either in the sort of for or against camp, really, and a lot of players, including you know Stan Wawrinka and. And others have sort of said, oh, you know, we don't agree with this. Um, we think it would have been better for the game for him to have stayed. You know, I know Rafa said that he just wanted stability. So, he, you know, thought Komodo had done a good job and didn't think that it was right really to, to be getting rid of him. Uh, but then obviously we know that some players like Djokovic has sort of been quite critical of him, saying that not enough of the prize money increase has actually gone to players, you know, outside the very top of the of the of the of the game so it's uh yeah bit of a bit of a debate going in at the head of tennis yeah. um and obviously kim uh you've got uh who 
who was who was able to vote was um Justin Gimmelstob who yeah. is under kind of review at the moment battery Could, charges yeah. so yeah that's that's he's a very debate he's a very sort of controversial figure and I'm I'm not entirely comfortable with him actually having so much influence and also um I just I don't know how they that he's I, I don't know how he how they appoint the player uh representatives to be honest with you because uh Dom Inglot's brother is one Alex Inglot he's the director of communications at Sport Radar and the third one is David Edges a tennis channel executive so I'm not sure how how are they are they elected I I I you know I'm probably coming across as quite ignorant on this subject but I just think if anyone was going to be removed, personally, I would maybe remove Justin yeah. Kimmelstop um, <laughs> it's, from the board rather yeah. than Chris Kermode, like at this stage. Because I mean, who are you going to get to replace Chris Kermode? I mean, is there really a credible alternative? I mean, that's a it's time? a very good question because it's it, it's obviously a very complex matter. I think it's a I think this shows it's been a very political matter as well. I think everyone's kind of got their own thinking and. You know, maybe there was some almost tactical voting in that, you know, I've heard that Gimmelstab, you know, before these charges were brought against him, was trying to earmark himself potentially um, as the person to replace mm. Chris Kermode. So it's kind of like, well, if that's the case, you know, why is he being allowed to vote? How do you, you know, how do you make this kind of a, a fair system when you've got kind of all these different people kind of looking out for for themselves and their part of the game? and you know, it'll be interesting to see how this develops because, you know, the way that some kind of media outlets are reporting this, it's kind of, they're saying it's like almost verging on some sort of civil war between, you know, the players and, and the tournament officials. Yeah. I mean, because all the tournament representatives voted for him, but the player ones yeah. were the ones that voted but, against but so it. Yeah, but it's, but it's even so, Kim, war. it's like with the players, a lot of the players publicly came out and backed Commode, but obviously one of those players wasn't wasn't Djokovic. And okay, that's fine. But should Djokovic be voting what he thinks, or should he be voting, you know, what the group census is of the players? And you know, if he is going to vote against it, uh, I think in one of his press conferences in India Wells, he kind of said, "I I can't really go into it because it's a con- no, con- confidential matter. I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to breach yeah. that." But yeah. I feel like there needs to be a, a bit more transparency and a bit more kind of rationale and, and understanding because you know, from what it sounds like, Chris Kermode's done an excellent, you know, an excellent role in his job, a job that's a you know a pretty tricky job to handle, kind of tennis players as well as kind of the business side of tennis. Um, you know you've got like yeah the performance angle and, and the kind of the commercial angle so I just wish there was a bit more kind of transparency and I think people would be a lot kind of clearer and, and know what's going to happen going forward if we just knew kind of all the facts but it seems that that's you know that's not the case and it doesn't seem like that's going to rectify itself any anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a whole sort of kettle of fish involved, isn't there? I mean, I personally, I do agree with what Djokovic's sentiments over the fact that prize money doesn't trickle down, you know, to the lower ranked players. Because, I, I mean, prize money has increased dramatically, but they always go on about, you know, the winner of Wimbledon getting X amount more every year. But 
and I know that that prize money has it also increased at the like in the first round, second round, etc. But it's just kind of like you you need increases. I don't know for people who lose in the first round of I don't know a two fifty tournament. You know it needs to go even further down. So yeah, but I think I think overall Chris Commode has done a as good a job as anyone else would have done. And I I yeah I don't see I'm not sure who who's kind of going to be replacing him. It'd be interesting to see who does step up and gets voted in and mm. you know but we'll have to we'll have to see and you know what happens over the course of the year i mean he's in place till the end of his i think the end of the year when his yeah. sort of the end of his contract yeah so he's got a bit of time i guess to do a handover <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh in other news um the atp announced that all tournaments in 2020 will feature the dreaded shocked clock uh dreaded by well probably rafa yeah. uh, that is going <laughs> to no be very very interesting because yeah like given the court surfaces ah it's just like clay and grass for example are just completely different can you just apply like one you know one shot clock with one time could they alter the time limit but for different surfaces that that or if it's like an Isna match, you could just have the shot <laughs> clock as like two seconds. <laughs> because, you know, yeah, you've only got two seconds to serve John yeah. because he's just going to be like ace after ace. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think there still needs to be like a disclaimer saying, if the point has been an incredibly long point and both players are keeling over, sweating buckets and almost on the floor, then just have a bit of leniency and give them like 10 extra seconds. Mm. But yeah, I feel like the players I think it's been gonna, okay. The players knew it's going to be coming, so exactly, okay. it it's not the greatest shock in the world. Um, I also saw some nice photos on Twitter of uh, Court One at Wimbledon, uh, with its lovely roof on. It's almost been finished, uh, so that made me very sentimental and I don't know nostalgic for being at Wimbledon, <laughs> and I just sort of. You know, can't wait for the grass courts. Uh, yeah. um, and I and I have got a few few final points to add, Kim, in the wildcard section. Oh yes. So first of all, I mean these are just bullet points notes I've made out uh, in the two weeks uh, of of in, in the last two weeks, including Indian Wells off court. Naomi Osaka has had a Barbie doll made made as her. Is that available? to buy just well i hope so because my birthday's coming up or... kim so I'm, I'm hoping to get one from oh, is that you. what you want for your yeah, birthday right okay so, um, i shall investigate so we've had that happen um in hollywood we've had two big pieces of information come out in the tennis world will smith has been cast as richard williams apparently in a venus and serena uh, film about their lives which has caused a bit of debate is will smith right for the role um or isn't he who knows <laughs> Who knows? Um, <laughs> Who knows? Why don't they get Richard Williams to play himself? Mm, yeah, I'd, I'd be down Why? with that. The other tennis piece of news we had, I don't know. Do you remember Kim? Uh, like a year or two ago, someone tweeted Eugenie Bouchard to asking her to go on a date with him if uh, one of some team won the, the Super Bowl. And it happened. <laughs> yeah, and she, she actually went though, didn't she? Yeah, she did. And yeah. now it's being made into a film apparently, so... Okay, like, but they're, they're not an item, are they? Uh, they didn't like get. Together. I don't think so, but I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure in the film they're gonna make it into a rom. They'll probably, yeah, it will totally, yeah, inspire people to you know keep tweeting their uh, 
I don't know, the loves of their lives on Twitter. Um. <laughs> and, and the final final piece of information I had for the wild card was, I didn't realise this, a, a few of my tennis friends did, but Kevin Anderson didn't play Indian Wells, but he bought he bought his dog along and everyone was in it with in love with his dog on tennis Twitter. His dog is called Lady Katie. Uh, Amazing. So, and Lady Katie has her own Twitter account. I think it's at Lady Katie tweets. Um, what tennis player's dog who doesn't have its own Twitter account? <laughs> didn't Andy Murray's yeah, dog, Maggie May, they used to have a Twitter, yeah. didn't they? Or some kind of uh, But Lady Katie is adorable. Uh, it's one of my favourite accounts to follow. So yeah, anyone anyone who wants kind of dog envy, I would give that account a follow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should also mention, I've just mentioned Andy Murray. He held a little press conference at Queen's. Uh, he was actually promoting a new clothing partnership, but he was asked obviously about his hip and the surgery that he had. And I thought it was quite encouraging what he said. He said that he didn't have pain anymore in his like regular life. And he was, you know, learning to walk again without a limp, um, doing quite a lot of rehab in the swimming pool and the gym. And he just seemed a bit more, you know, had a positive energy about, about him. So, he didn't want to give too much away in terms of like when he's going to be back on court and you know what he's kind of aiming for in terms of playing tournaments and when that would be but yeah i just thought it was worth mentioning that you know <laughs> compared to what we all thought was going to maybe be the complete end you know at the australian open there might be a light at the end of the tunnel with this surgery that he's had do you know what i think that just reminds me that yes that Shapovalov rap was really cringe but it could turn out that that farewell Andy video at the Australian Open is still the number one most cringe worthy <laughs> moment on, on, a ten, on a tennis court this this possibly season. <laughs> um, and I think that's a that's a good that's a good note to end on um, as always uh, please kind of follow us like us subscribe to us on all the social media channels out there we're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at passing shot pod if you want to contact the show as well you can do so by emailing us passing shot pod at gmail.com and yeah remember to subscribe to us on all the podcasting platforms out there to keep up to date in the tennis world with the passing shot the tennis catch-up podcast we're on itunes spotify google podcasts all the podcasting platforms out there just search passing shot tennis podcast so that wraps it up for this episode of the passing shot we'll be back next time with a catch-up on the miami open and we hope to see you then Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.